Welcome to the Love Positivism podcast. I'm Shireen Oberg and I'm a yoga teacher and author devoted to the path of healing and heart-based living. And I want to help you to step into what you truly are and to your highest potential. On this podcast, I share with you tools and insights to help you move ever forward on your spiritual and healing path. With guests from all over the world, from different wisdom traditions, I wish to create a web of loving energy that permeates the whole world to create more love and peace. You can connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube for more guidance and love. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode. Thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited to share this week's podcast guest with you. It's Annabelle Duboulet, and she's the founder of the Avalon Rose Chapel, and she's a rose priestess of Avalon with over 30 years of embodied experience and academic research in the rose and Celtic lineages, including 22 years journeying on the Holy Isle of Avalon. She's an international teacher, speaker, and author of the witch-burning novel, The Serpent's Tale, and runs an extensive online and in-person events program, including the Avalon Rose Priestess and practitioner trainings. And she also does pilgrimages to Avalon and Southern Italy. And she also has this beautiful program called the Rose Moon Membership, Journeying with the Venus Cycles. And it was so beautiful connecting with Annabelle. We've been connected through Instagram for a long time and had many uh, alignments and synchronicities. And I was so happy that we could do this and to share it with all of you. And we do tap into what the rose lineage and path is. And we speak about Mary Magdalene, Goddess Sophia and Gnosticism, and also the Black Madonna, and also Annabelle shares her beautiful story and journey in her life into where she is today. So I'm very excited to share this with you, and before we start, I want to also invite you to join me and Diana, who's uh, an astrologer, to celebrate with us the upcoming equinox In the Northern Hemisphere, it's going to be the spring equinox. Um, And in the Southern Hemisphere, it's the autumn or fall equinox. And it's going to be an online ceremony ritual meditation that's taking place on March 17th. So that's next week. It's going to be 2 p.m. Eastern time in the U.S. and 6 p.m. British time and Central European time, that's 7 p.m. If you cannot join live, you can always get the recording. And even if you are joining live, you will get the recording because there will be so much information, practices, rituals, sharings that we will be doing that you can always go back to. And we will tap into many different things and do different practices. Diana will be sharing a lot about the astrology and mythology. Um, And I will also share a lot of the stories and mythologies behind this beautiful uh, equilibrium and balance of the year. 
And we will also, of course, connect with goddesses, both astrologically and energetically. And uh, yeah, we will be sharing everything that you need to align with this time. And this can be practiced before the equinox, after, and to set off this new season and this new energy and portal that we're coming into. So if you want to join us, you have the link in the show notes. And if you really feel called to uh, join, the early bird price of $33 will be until Monday the 14th and then after that the price goes up so if you are interested make sure that you read about it and if you have any questions let us know and also in our ceremony we always have a sharing circle because we will be practicing a lot together and things will come up so we will provide additional guidance and support And I really hope that you enjoy this week's episode with Annabelle. Hi, Annabelle. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for inviting me. It's so great to be here. Thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited to talk to you. And I wanted to do this for a long time. And now was the perfect, yeah, perfect week and synchronicity, I think, right now in the midst of everything that's going on to... Uh, talk with you and I just would love to hear from you if you have a daily practice that is important to you to stay grounded or just to connect with yourself and if you want to share it with the listener yes I think the most important thing for me is to get out on the land every day so I have three dogs and uh, one of them is a big wolf so I walk them every day for an hour on the land and the land where I walk is between here the Avalon Rose Chapel and the Michael ley line literally runs straight through this room I'm literally sitting on it and then on the other side of the fields behind the house is the Mary ley line and they meet uh, at Borough Mump which is this incredible uh, ancient Uh, mump that the Michael Ley Line runs to after it's run through Glastonbury Tor. And the Michael Mary Ley Lines meet in the sacred marriage at the top of Borough Mump. So I literally sort of walk in this triangle um, of fields that's created by the Michael Mary Ley Lines. So it feels like I'm walking within the land of the sacred marriage every day uh, with my dogs. And that, that for me is vital because that's how I truly connect to soul, to source, to spirit, um, and to the land and to the energies of, of Avalon. That is just so beautiful. And I've been to Avalon or Glastonbury and I really felt those, yeah, that energetic force field. And it's so powerful. It was actually really keeping me up all night over there. <laughs> I was like waking up and waking up and it's it's so beautiful. And I'm sure you will share more about this uh, in a bit. I think like just knowing about this place and knowing what, what potential there is, it can be really beautiful for people to hear. And I would want to start to, for those that maybe haven't connected with you yet, haven't seen your Instagram 
maybe you want to share who you are and what you're doing in the world right now. Okay, so I'm Annabelle Tabule, and um, I'm the founder of the Avalon Rose Chapel here in, in Glastonbury and Avalon in, in the Summerlands. Um, and I have uh, for over 30 years experience now, both academically and experientially, uh, in women's spirituality, women's empowerment, uh, both as an academic, I did my master's and PhD, um, really studying uh, goddess paganism and then Gnosticism and then what the patriarchal church did as they manipulated um, and distorted the original teachings and then what I specialize in is peeling back the layers of those patriarchal distortions so that we can arrive and explore those original teachings and use them for the healing and empowerment of women. So that's really my sole mission, is to restore those original teachings and, and spiritual tradition um, of our ancestors, um, so that women especially can connect with that ancestral lineage and those teachings that are so empowering for the feminine. Yeah. Mm, such important work, and it's amazing that you've like the work that you've done both academically and then also practically in your own life, how, what, what brought you into the, even the topic, like what in your life drew you to even study it and start practicing what you're doing right now? So when I was 19, I was on a beach in Thailand on my gap year. And that's where I read all the Greek myths for the first time in preparation for my English degree. So that was sort of the beginning. And then during that first BA degree, um, that's when I really discovered my feminism. And I, you know, even sort of studying the medieval mystics and, um, you know, the politics and the patriarchy um, at, that, at that time in the medieval period. Um, and then that just really developed. And then I remember calling my father one day and just, and this was age 19, and just saying, why is God male? And we always have these incredible philosophical discussions and he just wasn't expecting that question. And that really was the beginning of my path of exploring that question. And it did just lead me onto this 30 year quest really of diving into lots of different cultures. So I was then very blessed to spend four summers living in Southern Italy. And that's where I became fascinated by this interplay between paganism and Catholicism. So in this Italian family that I lived with, um, the mother, mama, would um, slit the chicken's throat and offer the blood to the earth with a prayer to the Madonna. So this incredible, um, very ancient, traditional way of life that was truly Gnostic in its, in its combination of the pagan and the Catholic. So that was my initiation onto the path of the Black Madonna uh, in Southern Italy. And then I went to Peru and I was um, volunteering with street children and orphans out there. And I was living in the house of a shaman. And then I traveled with him throughout Peru and spent some time with one of the uh, last indigenous tribes in the Amazon. And that was really my initiation onto my more of a shamanic path. Um, and, um, and then I came back to London and went back to university to do my master's and PhD and began to deeply study 
this subject and really uh, exploring the um, and comparing goddess, what's known as goddess theology with feminist theology. Um, and then uh, I gave birth to my daughter who I knew I needed to call Sophia, but at the time I had absolutely no idea what was about to happen. So although I had studied the goddess Sophia um, a bit in my masters, I really had no embodied experience of her and her mythos. And she was about to initiate me in an extreme level. Um, so my eldest daughter, Sophia, was born um, with a life-threatening syndrome and had life-saving surgery at birth. And then over the course of the next years, I had to nurse her through 12 more operations. So she came in as this incredible soul and teacher for me. And she led me repeatedly on the Sophianic descent and ascent of the soul which of course is the later Gnostic version of the original ancient Mesopotamian myth of the descent of Anana Ishtar, which in turn is inspired uh, by the movement of the planet of Venus. So that was where I had this embodied experience of the mythos. And we actually literally came to embody that myth. Um, and during that time, I was training as a priestess of Avalon with the Glastonbury Goddess Temple and continuing to study. Um, and I began to write my novel, The Serpent's Tale, which is set in the village I lived in, in Italy in the 16th century, the time of the witch burnings. And so I channeled all my postgraduate research into this book which explores a rural village's fight to save the wise woman from the fires. But it's also a deeply allegorical book. So really it explores the myth of Sophia and the myth of Demeter and Persephone, which the myth of Sophia is based upon. Um, and then in 2009, I published The Serpent's Tale and was finally able to move down to the Holy Isle of Avalon, Glastonbury, uh, where I'd been coming for, I think, 12 years by that point, probably. And I was six months pregnant with my son. And I gave this talk at the launch of my book, um, you know, to hundreds of people. And, and I said how, you know, I'd learnt um, you know, this amazing sort of philosophy of life um, from Sophia and from the myth of Sophia, and that it's in the darkest times of our lives and those deep shadow experiences that we all um, go through, that we find her light, her light of wisdom. And it is she who rebirths us back into wholeness and back into um, a greater depth of love and compassion and strength and courage and wisdom but it was as if I had thrown down a gauntlet to life. And anyone who's spent much time in Avalon, which is known as the Isle of the Dead, uh, Transformation and Rebirth, will know um, that she, she <laughs> there is a part of her that will annihilate you and an annihilate your ego to strip you back to ashes so that you can rebuild yourself back up. And that's exactly what she did. So three months later, I gave birth to my son and he was born with an even rarer uh, life-threatening syndrome. So he was born unable uh, to breathe, feed, speak or smile. So I was taken to an even greater depth 
um, a shadow experience uh, through that. And for many months, I was resuscitating him under emergency conditions several times a day. So that's when she really stripped me bare. And for that first year, I ran on adrenaline, focusing on just keeping him alive. And then when his airway stabilized somewhat, that is when my rage, my holy rage of injustice came. And I had about an 18 month period where I could not feel compassion. And that was so hard because I had been working in mental health for years and working with survivors of severe and enduring mental health difficulties. So needing to have a vast amounts of compassion. So it was very challenging to suddenly feel this rage and this lack of compassion. So I began to work with the fire and I began and my blood. So every month for nine months for a literal pregnancy gestation, uh, each moon I worked with my moon blood and with the fire and I painted the Healing Room Art installation. So I painted four very big paintings of the mother of loss, the mother of solitude, the mother of healing and the mother of compassion. And I literally painted my way through my grief, through my intense sense of loneliness that happens whenever we are each experiencing that shadow place. And then I painted my way through the healing with Bridget and back to the ability to feel compassion for others. Um, and then uh, I was able to come back to that place of empowerment, of in deep, intense gratitude for actually what our family had been through. I mean, it took a long time to get to that point, but it is such a blessing to now be in a place of deep gratitude, of, of the reaping of the harvest gifts from that experience. And that really was the birthing. So 19 years after Sophia was born and nine years after Zach was born, I founded the Avalon Rose Chapel on Beltane. And it felt like that was, you know, the light, her light at the end of all that trauma that we had all been through was the foundation for the birthing of a sacred container through which to share not only the teachings in that kind of left brain academic way, but actually to share our path of Gnosis, the wisdom that we've gained through the privilege of walking with her in those depths and then also in the light. And um, so that's where I find myself now is, you know, in that place of deep gratitude for it all and, um, and just really committed to sharing that, um, you know, for the good of all, you know, if, if, if sharing that knowledge and that gnosis can help inspire anyone else, then um, that's really what my mission is. What a powerful journey and so deeply transformational. And thank you so much for sharing it. And it's, it's just that it feels like what, and what you sh shared and said also like this, going into this real descent in life is 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 very much initiating you into something and also you find a deeper sense of like you have to start trusting a little bit more and start to surrender much more when you go through that it's like it not a test but it does really test 
you in so many ways and that can give bring you so much closer to the, that truth and and this connection that maybe we have forgotten but it's it's so beautiful how and also i'm thinking about this connection with your 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 embodied like the the goddess in so many ways in in your pregnancy and in your birth and then like yeah it's so powerful your whole story and everything that that you've done but also experienced i think that's really important to hear and to understand and to see in a priestess like you that you have this Re, like real life experience and and that you can share from an authentic place so thank you so much for sharing that it's really thank beautiful you. and and that it led to you creating the temple and so what is the practice in your temple and I'm also really really uh, curious because I've been tapping into the stories around the Gnosticism and Sophia it was uh, maybe last summer. Yeah, we connected last summer. And last summer also I saw some type of short documentary about the, the uh, yeah, about the stories around Sophia. And it was so beautiful. Can't remember which one it was, but I will look it up. But what is what is the, the story of Sophia? Maybe everyone doesn't know goddess Sophia or the, the creation story around that. Maybe you want to share a little bit about yeah. that? Yes, so the Gnostic myth of Sophia, which is the much later version of, of the descent of Inanna and, and Ishtar. And, and in my priestess training, I, I track it the whole way down through the millennia. But it arrives basically in Gnostic Christianity with the myth of Sophia. So Sophia um, begins as, as the soul in what's known as the Pleroma, which other people might say is heaven or the interlife, uh, with Yeshua, with Christ. And she descends. And so this is the point where we basically prick our finger on the spinning wheel of life and we incarnate. We choose to incarnate. So it's a descent onto earth and into this incarnation, into this earth walk. And then she is described often in a way um, that women are um, as whores or, you know, as destitute. But really, that's a metaphor for our egoic journey through suffering and through the trials of life. And her whole purpose is to return to Christ, to the Pleroma, which of course is our own journey. So our soul's journey is to incarnate and then it's to go on our soul's path of both the suffering and the light, the light and the shadow, but always with the intention of growing as a soul, as evolving. And then it is our, uh, you know, our path to return back to source and what I call back to the divine magical child self, who is still dwelling in the Pleroma or the Garden of Eden or heaven. Um, and then we return, as Sophia returns back, she's united in the sacred marriage with Christ. And so this is one of the most powerful and ancient myths of the path of the rose, um, uh, is the sacred marriage. And it's through the sacred marriage, A, between our own inner king and queen, 
uh, bride and sacred bridegroom, but also we experience that being mirrored externally in our relationships as well. And then it's through that sacred marriage that we give birth to this divine magical child aspect of us once more in our ever evolving soul spiral of life and then are born yet again into another incarnation. So th that's the myth of Sophia. So she represents um, that on the uh, reincarnation level, but then also, of course, that's a metaphor for the individual level of the descent into the shadow and the rebirth and the return, which is this constant spiral that we do throughout life as our soul grows. And so I think you're absolutely right. You know, I love that you touched on those two words, trust and surrender, because those are her teachings that I remember at a point, and I, I'm sure everyone can, this will resonate with everyone, that point of challenge of being so deep in the shadow that I was raging at her, like, how could you do this to me again? How could you put me through this again? How could you inflict more suffering on my children? And I swore I'd never serve her as a priestess anymore. And, but it was within that depth that I felt her as that dark mother holding me. And that's when I realized that it wasn't her who was inflicting this on me. It was her who was carrying me. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, for me, she, she symbolizes, you know, the path of our soul and that redemption that is to, to be had through the return to source and the return to the sacred marriage of our soul. Yeah. That is, I mean, that was so powerful to, when you realized that she was holding you and, and uh, yeah, that, that whole aspect of the dark goddess and the dark mother, it's really, it, it is like the the feminine it is our like how our body works and and the blood that we sh like everything about our bodies are in that space right the womb and everything but still we like forget that aspect and think that it's scary or like something bad because it's 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 the same with with all of these, like what we talked about before Ishtar and, and that whole journey. And then I saw that you also, the, the Lilith um, mysteries as well. And it's so beautiful because it's something that really um, is necessary to tap into, to really do um, deep work and to really work with healing and, and um Maybe everyone isn't called to work with that aspect, of course, but this uh, this other, you know, because it's interesting what you said also, like how when you look at history, how the feminine was changed and shaped by the patriarchal system and how it looked before and, and the, the aspects of the goddess that has been suppressed, like, like the also the rage and the, the all of these things that is also natural to feel and that has to be expressed 
So it's so important that that is include it becomes more inclusive. And I think depending on where we are, which phase we are in in our lives, we can really use that. But I think also that sometimes when we are, it's very clear on our journey, like if if we're supposed to work with that energy, it becomes extremely clear, right? With the experiences we have. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you brought Lilith in because she is absolutely that archetypal energy of the holy rage. Mm-hmm. And and I actually painted her as the mother of solitude in my healing womb art installation. Um, because I think I think that's something that's very important about our shadow experiences is that sense of utter aloneness that we experience. And and it doesn't matter how many people are loving us and supporting us. There is there is a deep, deep aloneness in our suffering. And she came through so powerfully for me as a guide in that place of of the utter wilderness of that shadow experience. And she became my guide through that holy rage that I was feeling. Um, And once you can access the grief that is, of course, beneath the rage, then she can help you to transform it into the most incredible resource of power. Um, and that that is where I experience Lilith's power. Um, and I know a lot of feminists use Lilith, you know, as this very strong role model because she refused to lie beneath Adam. And um, but she is she is that force within us that is able to survive challenges alone to an extent that we never dreamt possible. You know, like I. You know, I remember back in my early 20s and I was, you know, suicidally depressed and I was an addict and I was incredibly codependent. You know, I didn't believe I could really cope with anything at that stage in my life. And now to be in this place of empowerment has only come from being completely stripped bare. So the empowerment comes from a place of deep, humility Mm. where you have literally been stripped back to ashes you know and ground down and you have to mythically archetypally remember your body literally put your body back together and and then stand in your power not from an egoic place of wanting to have power over like the patriarchy but from a soul place where you know what it is to be stripped back to nothing and to use those gifts to help others to remember themselves. Um, and I and Lilith for me is, is about that journey of being stripped raw and then finding our power in that place of utter annihilation. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That is very true. I can definitely relate to that in so many ways. And it's um, it's something that we can't really suppress either, like when that journey starts. So it's, we really 
and it it is a practice again of of trust and surrender and and daring to go into that that dark place with her and still feeling like what you felt like still embraced it's not a punishment or <laughs> anything like that so it's really beautiful and yeah i love that and there's so much to tap into that space to the whole lilith i think that could be a whole conversation in itself because there's so much sim symbolism and so much history there and i'm also curious like with your with the temple that you have in glastonbury i'm always curious because i've had conversations with different women about the rose and the symbols because we all work with it in different ways like what is what is the uh, your experience with that and for the temple as well, the, the rose and that lineage? Uh, so when I founded the Avalon Rose Chapel, I actually found it originally as the Glastonbury Gnostic Chapel. And um, it was it's really the first chapel in Glastonbury um, to be dedicated to this Gnostic path that is um, so woven into the mythos and the land and the history of Glastonbury in the Isle of Avalon. Um, so as a Gnostic, I believe that Joseph of Arimathea brought Mother Mary and Mary Magdalene and the Holy Grail Sarah here uh, to Avalon and that their followers built the very first chapel, um, which was dedicated to the Magdalene. And it was uh, its um, foundations were found beneath the Abbey, Glastonbury Abbey. And so when I founded the chapel, it was as close as physically possible to this original chapel. And we had um, two years there. And that two years felt like uh, the period in time which I needed to anchor and root the energies of the chapel uh, right there, sort of where that first um, chapel was built. And then I actually closed those premises during the pandemic last summer. Um, and I was like so many of us in the pandemic, you know, in that place of the hangman of just the, the surrender, 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 waiting and waiting to see uh, what she wanted me to do and where the chapel was meant to be. And then through these incredible series of synchronicities, um, I was very blessed to buy um, an old chapel which is situated on what's known as the Isle of the Dog, which in the Glastonbury Zodiac, there are 12 astrological signs on the, on the actual Holy Isle of Avalon of Glastonbury. And then there's one 13th sign that's on one of the islands in the Great Lake of Avalon surrounding. And so I live on the Isle of the Dog, literally beneath the Dog Star Sirius. And so much of my teachings are around uh, working with Sirius. Um, and so I now have this incredible blessing to actually live in the chapel and the Michael, I literally sleep on the Michael Lay line and it runs through this room as well. Um, and then uh, I'm just at the moment um, developing premises, new premises back in Glastonbury to just anchor the energies there as well. So um, I now have what I feel is like this sacred container here for all my work. And it really is a portal to Sirius. Um, 
and I have my three dogs guarding it here with me. Um, so I do all my online work from here, from the from this sacred portal here. Um, and then I will now have um, a new premises to just anchor those energies as a sanctuary um, in, in Glastonbury as well for visitors. Wow, that is so beautiful. And so good to be in that there's something magical when you come out to the countryside in that part of England. It's really, um, it, I mean, it's so beautiful and it's so powerful in many ways. Just uh, like the, yeah, the heart chakra is like really open when you're moving through. It feels like the heart chakra. So it's really nice and, and uh, healing. And as you said, it can also be like when you, come to a place like that it can also like provoke you and it can be <laughs> like it can start to make you feel and I think that it, so many people also practice there and you mentioned the abbey I really love the abbey and mm. so so much intention and everything that's happening around there and this goddess consciousness that's awakened so it, it's like really a power place so I would love to visit and um, lastly something that's really connected to everything that we spoke about uh, up until now is Venus and I know that you because I, I always get your beautiful newsletters and you speak about the gates and um, yeah last summer everything happened last summer when we connected it feels like everything started to <laughs> but I started also to study the the Venus star points but the gates is something also that I haven't I've, I've read your your uh yeah your beautiful text about it maybe you can like shed some light on that because it's so connected with everything I mean Venus is also mm -hmm. that aspect of the goddess so yes yeah, yeah. So I've had such a fascinating path with Venus. She, again, it's like we were talking about earlier before we started the recording, is that, you know, these, these deities and these energies, they come in and they initiate us. And that's when you know it's like truly authentic. It's not us going and chasing them. It's them coming in. And, and so she initiated me a long time ago, actually on Mount Sinai, which for me is like the cradle of the Rose lineage and my soul's home. Um, and uh, I was in a cave up at the top of Mount Sinai with my Bedouin guides. And I'd had this incredible transmission. And my guides just said so clearly to me, the secret is in the rose. And at the time, I didn't really consciously like really get it. And then various synchronistic things happened. And I was led to various books and I received various downloads and transmissions. And that's when Venus really started like showing me what she wanted me to work with. So in um, January, 2019, I launched my Rosemary membership where we track the Venus cycle. And um, I especially work with Venus and Sirius. So in the Rose lineage mythos, uh, Sirius is Cassista. He's the holy bridegroom of Venus, um, who is embodied in the black goddess Sophia. And uh, Sophia is Magdalena in human form. So Magdalena is the human embodiment of, of Sophia. And Yeshua is of the Christos. Um, so I began to 
work deeply with the mythos of, of Inanna Ishtar, which I'd actually began working with back in my 20s when I was an addict in recovery. So um, there's an amazing book called The Descent of the Goddess, um, written many, many moons ago. And that really helped me in my recovery journey from addiction. And so uh, I began to really weave the Venus cycle of her seven waning moons, and then typically her three lunations in the underworld, and then her seven waxing moons uh, with the mythos of Inanna Ishtar, where they descend seven gates, and at each gate they're invited to release something that they are wearing or carrying that symbolizes an internalized shadow behavior or thought that might be blocking them from truly shining their soul's light in the world. So it's an unveiling as, as, as we descend. And then we arrive in the underworld and we meet with Ereshkigal, who is Inanna's sister, her twin sister, who symbolizes our shadow self. And we spend typically these three lunations there and Inanna is hung naked on a meat hook. And so she has to face, you know, her shadow self. But it's not what I try to teach uh, my students um, and the women and men who work with me is that it doesn't need to be like a traumatic experience each time. Like sometimes that can put you off. It's like, oh God, we're going down again. Um, it's much more of an unveiling and an and a opportunity for empowerment and to rebirth ourselves. Um, just like when Sophia returns to the pl Pleroma and is united with Christ. So after this time in the underworld and the releasing of all that no longer serves us, we then ascend up those seven waxing moon conjunctions. Um, and ascend up the seven gates and we reclaim those things from the gatekeeper that we had surrendered. But this time as we reclaim them, they are symbolizing our soul gifts, our dreams, our inspirations, everything that we want to bring forth into manifestation. And when I talk about manifestation, I think it's really important that we don't focus just on the kind of more, um, animus, more masculine, sun god, solar uh, manifestation, like from our solar plexus kind of energy. But it's also a manifestation of your soul ghost in the world that can be intensely personal. It can be, it can be a daily walk in nature connecting with source. You know, it doesn't have to be um, a huge left brain goal setting achievement form of manifestation. But then when we arrive back up and we've gone through that seventh gate of ascent and we've reclaimed our crown and we've connected, reconnected with source and our soul, we then have this incredible period, which I absolutely love, which is the Venus retrograde. And now some astrologers will see that as her going into the underworld. Whereas I don't, I see that as her returning to the Garden of Eden where she has a very Lilith experience in a way, because it's that 40 days in the wilderness 
where she comes back to herself and she comes back to herself and to her wholeness through her own inner sacred marriage, which is then crystallized in that incredible conjunction between Venus and the solar god. So between our own inner king and queen. And then we have the rebirth and the resurrection through her rebirth as the morning star. And then we begin again on the 90 month journey. So for me, I just love this journey with an absolute passion. And because each lunar month is different astrologically, there are different influences. It means actually that every time you go on this journey, each month is different and is a different experience. Um, so yeah, I just find it such an empowering way uh, to live my life really is, is completely in tune you know, with the cycles of Venus, the moon, and especially Sirius as well. Oh, yeah, that is, that is really powerful. And so like, you can take that energy and, and really practice it in the more practical way. And like you said, like, focusing on things that we release, but also things that we want to grow. And yeah, the whole serious part is also really beautiful that has been I think that has also become stronger in my consciousness the past years but I maybe haven't tapped into as as much as you have so that would also be interesting to talk more about another time uh, and so so how if people want to work with you you have the this uh, rose moon membership right yeah Yes, I have a monthly Rosemoon membership where we follow the Venus cycle. And then I have my Rose Lineage program. So I have my Avalon Rose Priestess training and practitioner training, and then pilgrimages to Glastonbury Avalon and to Southern Italy, to the land of the Black Madonna. Um, so, yeah. yeah. That is so beautiful. And how can people find you? Um, so they can Google my name, Annabelle de Boulay, and then they'll, um, my website will come up. So AnnabelleDeBoulay.com um, or come and follow me on Instagram. Yeah, I'll share those links with everyone in the show notes. And I want to thank you so much. There is so much more to, to, I have, want to ask you, but <laughs> I won't keep you too long. And I'm really glad that we had the opportunity to talk. And thank you so much for sharing your wisdom you and journey so with us thank you so much love it's been such an honor to talk to you thank you thank you